Well, I'm on a roll, so I'm going to continue. Um, we left off last week. Uh, first, let me say welcome to One Score for Liberty. Um, this is a 20-minute podcast. I'm going to have recorded an hour already at the end of this one in, in my very first night of recording. But, hell, it's the night before the election um, in 2020, and uh, I wanted to. So here we go. Um, last time I started uh, my political and cultural background a little bit more, um, the first episode was just kind of an intro and me rambling about certain things. Um, but I want people to have an understanding of where my political thought comes from. Um, so I'll just try to pick up right where I left off. Um, the, I did the, so I had the money and banking semester where I was watching the banks collapse in 2008. Uh, then I took political science the next semester, which was really interesting. And I learned a lot about uh, a more, I learned a more detailed and academic like version than I had learned in high school from coaches and then I took the era of the American Revolution and then after that I went into you know that was my senior year and then I graduated the, that next semester um, and that was around like yeah yeah I think I smoked marijuana for the first time around the end of the middle of my senior year so the end of that semester with the era of the american revolution class um i would say which which i think you know marijuana is uh not something to be abused but something that i think a lot of people um, can use responsibly and do use responsibly. Um, I'll get into that more in detail later, but so you, you, you see where, you know, my line of thinking was going, I, I guess part of the reason I did that is because I, I worked a job for the first time while I was in school during my senior year. Um, it was just waiting tables at, at at a restaurant in Stillwater where I worked with some really awesome people. And I guess throughout my time, I guess I will address the marijuana thing a little bit. I mean, I had spent my years in college. I didn't drink till I was almost done with my freshman year in college. And uh, I enjoyed the heck out of drinking and partying um, with all my friends and stuff. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, the more you do that, the more you realize that alcohol uh, has major drawbacks, too, especially if you're using it all the time. You start to see patterns with people that are unhealthy, and it's hard to break them because your entire social life is built around alcohol. And I guess, you know... No, as I've described, I was kind of in the middle of this red pill moment, and part of 
the red pill is realizing that a lot of the crap you've been fed was crap. And so you start to question kind of everything. And, I, you know, I hadn't been around marijuana a whole lot, but I had seen it from time to time at parties and or at least known that people were doing it. They were kind of secretive about it. And if you weren't searching it out, then you didn't even notice. Or at least I didn't. But I did. There were times when I knew someone I was very familiar with was high um and the more i observed that the more i was like this just doesn't seem like much different than alcohol like it seems like they're having a good time they're not out of it and like you know melted into the couch as the commercials told you you would be not that that can't happen <laughs> certainly i've been melted into the couch by marijuana before um, but you know, generally the people I knew that were using it, were doing it at, at either instead of drinking or along with drinking at a party in a kind of moderate way. And they all always seem to be having the best time. And they were, you know, I knew I, the ones that I knew they they were good students. They weren't, it wasn't ruining their life is my point. So as a part of that red pill situation, I decided I was going to try it over, I think it was during winter break of my senior year. And uh, I did, and I really enjoyed it. And I probably tried it, you know, a handful of times throughout that last semester of school. And, uh, and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, that kind of continued my progression of, like, being open to new ideas. And marijuana can certainly make you open to new ideas. Almost too open to new ideas, I would say, for some people. Um, I don't know how much more I want to get into that, but... So that leads me into grad school and, um, you know, during grad school, I was just kind of a monk. I mean, I, I lived right near campus with someone who I loved and, um, we always had a good time together and, uh, uh, my, you know, all my classes were in the same building, really close to my house. I could literally walk there in five, maybe ten minutes if I walked slow. Um, I learned how to longboard. I lost a whole bunch of weight during that time as well, which was a big deal. Um, and I guess I, I can talk about that more another time. But I was feeling very healthy and doing very well. And... Uh, enjoying my life a lot and um it was during that time that I really learned to love reading and you kind of have to in, in graduate school you know you're expected to be a lot more independent of a learner and 
you go to class and you guys you do talk about stuff but they're, they're small classes and you know th- this is my experience i'm sure this isn't true for everyone exactly but there are smaller classes you're expected to have uh, the basic knowledge out of the way and to be able to discuss things at a high level and that required a lot of reading and the more the higher level classes that you take obviously the more and more reading um, and I guess my point is I got I got very good at just sitting down with something and focusing on it completely and uh, really absorbing information. And when you do that with scientific papers and like scientific writing, uh, which is obviously pretty uh, dry, um, it becomes a pleasure to read something that's not dry. You know, so I kind of I, I, I got more into fiction. I was I read like Dan Brown, um, which is awesome if you're interested in like mysteries and uh history and secrets stuff like that read dan brown he's awesome um but yeah i guess that's what really got me into the liberty movement is is uh after i had had this journey that i described in the last episode um and then i learned to 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 really enjoy reading um and having a lot of time to read. Uh, I started reading Ron Paul's books for the Love Revolution in particular, had a huge impact on me. Uh, And this was during his campaign for president. And uh, that was another big red pill moment for me was watching Ron Paul destroy the Republicans on the debate stage uh, was incredible Uh, because I, you know, I considered myself, I don't know, I guess at the time I, I had my stage where I flirted with leftism on campus and stuff like that. It wasn't as pronounced for me, partially because I was, you know, I'm in Oklahoma, I'm at the ag school in Oklahoma, and I'm taking a science that that is very geared towards the oil industry, which is pretty conservative. So I didn't have a lot of lefty influence on me, but I, I flirted with the ideas of, you know, um, well, actually, and I still believe that we should all love each other and try to take care of each other as much as possible. It's just, uh, I think, I I guess I just didn't linger on that to the point where it was like, uh, I think that the government should just provide everything for everyone all the time. And not to say that I didn't have silly ideas like that at some point, but I was very quickly talked out of them by people who made more sense, I guess I'll say. And I was lucky to have good influences around me in that regard. So, uh, yeah, I went through grad school. Oh, the, the, the Ron Paul thing, um, in the 2012 race is the one I remember better. And I just, 
I hope I'm remembering all this correctly, but I remember, I just remember watching him on stage, like, and I guess I had watched him, his debates from the 2008 race as well during that time. So I'm probably going to mix them up, but watching him like embarrass Rudy Giuliani and uh, a lot of other, you know, um, establishment Republicans, so to speak. Um, it was just a breath of fresh air. It was like, man, finally somebody's saying we shouldn't be doing these stupid wars. We've been there for 10 years plus, And now we're going on 20, but <laughs> I digress. Um, he was just incredible and inspiring to me. And I'll get into more details on that another time. I'm trying to skip over stuff since I'm doing these short episodes. I don't want to expound too much at first. Um, we'll do some more better researched uh, episodes where I have more information in front of me to work off of. But I just wanted to continue to give you some of my background Ron Paul was a huge influence. Then I started working in the oil field and another like path along my red pill was like, what? I think it was, I had never even seen Alex Jones before as far as I know, but there was a video that was brought to me on Facebook around 2012. When would that have been? probably like October of 2012. I don't know. Maybe it was after the election. I don't remember, but I believe it was Alex Jones on Pierce Morgan's show. And it was just like a, a short clip. I think they were arguing about the second amendment or something. And Pierce Morgan was calling him crazy, but he had this really intense moment where he like looked into the camera, like right into your soul and he was, he seemed really unhinged to me, but something about his message kind of like snapped me. How do I say this? What did he say? He said, um, you're in danger. You know, the, it, it, essentially his point was something that I've heard from a lot of other people too, which is you may not take uh, a an interest in politics, but politics takes an interest in you, you know, is essentially the message he got across in a very <laughs> psycho extreme way at the time. And it, it just, it came to me at just the right moment for whatever reason that impacted me. And, you know, I have some respect for Alex Jones. I, I mean, he's the first person I ever heard talk about Epstein and, uh, the, his Island and, Bill Clinton flying on his planes, which all appears to be true or not all, but you know, the, the basics of his, his things appear to have been proven true on Epstein. You know, he takes it to an absurd level with like, you know, uh, multi-dimensional beings that are worshiped by blood magic or something too but that's just him uh <laughs> so i get why people don't like him but i find him entertaining and i find it 
um, well, I find it awful that he's been banned off of all these social media platforms and that they did it all at once like they did. But we'll get into that more later. So, I mean, so Ron Paul, you know, if I had to pick one main influence on my political outlook, it's Ron Paul. I mean, he said things that made sense. He wouldn't go along with the crowd of his, you know, even though he was a, a Republican technically in Congress, he was a very independent thinker and obviously disagreed on large issues with most of the Republicans at the time. Yet uh, he kept getting elected by his people, so he stayed in. And uh, that was very inspiring to me. And uh, I guess I kind of just became more and more libertarian out of that. And, you know, that... Then I was working in the early part of my career, and then we kind of get to uh, the point where that I was talking about in the very first episode about, you know, the 2015 area, and that's kind of the next evolution was getting into the internet culture and really learning to, like, I, I see podcasts kind of as as a form of of reading like there are you even though i'm only doing 20 minutes i the podcasts i like the most are at least an hour long and i'd like them to be longer because it takes that long to honestly explain an idea or a position and have a good conversation between two people where they both can you know fully express themselves and i just think that that's way better than any other form of communication that humans have ever had. Uh, And that's that. I mean, that's, that's the reason to get into podcasting to me. And uh, I find it extremely important. Now, I know I've said I'm a libertarian over and over again, and I mentioned the Libertarian Party a little bit. I'm going to spend my last couple of minutes uh, talking about the first time the Libertarian Party rejected me. Um, I don't have the memory, uh, a steel trap memory, so to speak, but I remember the general parts about it. Um, 2016 I did vote for Gary Johnson even though I never I've never registered as a I'm registered as an independent and I've never <clears throat> well I guess I was registered as a Republican when I was 18 like I said and I uh, I think I said that on the last episode I'm recording them consecutively so I can't remember but uh yeah, I said I, I changed my affiliation. I think after the twenty twelve election, but I I voted for Gary Johnson in that election too. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember exactly when this was, but around the time I was considering like 
really joining their libertarian party and like jumping in with both feet for them was around the time they uh i don't know i i i like poked my head in there into the conversation within the the actual party and they were talking about how ron paul was a racist from way back because of some newsletter that where he said something that and I remember looking at it and going, wow, like this, this man has done more for the libertarian movement, you know, and my, you know, I don't have a long memory about the libertarian movement, especially at that time. So maybe I'm a little bit off base about this, but to me, the libertarian, Ron Paul was the liberty movement at, at that time. I mean, everyone I knew that cared about liberty at all was enormously in, influenced by by Ron Paul. And again, maybe that's partially because I'm in Oklahoma, so there's a lot more conservatives around me. I don't know, but to to, <laughs> to push away everyone who came to the liberty movement through Ron Paul by talking about how he's and these were high level people in the party and that's why that's why i didn't join them then and then uh you know i still paid attention to them and i like a lot of people who are libertarian party i, I don't hold a grudge against them necessarily but i don't i'm not a joint i'm not a joiner of things to begin with so joining the libertarian party was like uh, I guess uh, these are my people, I guess. I don't know. I like being independent. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I mentioned that they had pushed me away twice, and the second time was this election cycle. You know, I was really excited about Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen, really. I mean, I didn't really know who Joe Jorgensen was before she was nominated but once she was nominated and I heard I went and you know listened to some of the debates that they had online for it and uh I seemed to really like her at first but then when all the writing and stuff happened she I don't know she had some tweets that were terrible and uh you know if you're in the liberty movement, you probably know Dave Smith is uh, um, criticized her a lot for the her Twitter. But yeah, what she said to make this podcast better and actually tell you what I'm fucking talking about. Um, what she said was, it's not enough to be not racist. We must be anti-racist which you know uh, there's several problems with the not the least of which is um just a libertarian presidential candidate telling people that they must do something and and we must like you're missing it man that's a, like a collectivist notion phrase like no matter what you said before or after it we must come on man to quote joe biden so there was that 
than um, the anti-racist thing, which who knows? Like I, I would guess that some intern probably was using her Twitter account and did that. I don't know that she actually wrote that tweet, but she didn't back away from it at all. And the truth is, uh, anti-racist is one of these trick political words that's been created. You know, you would think that anti-racist just means you're against people who are actual racist. But really what it means is you think along racial terms and uh, agree that the white race is somehow better than the other races and therefore uh, you have to feel guilty about it and we're going to have political action to correct for it somehow, which is just so retarded. And uh, yeah, I don't want to get any farther into it because it's 25 minutes and that's way past my one score for liberty so we will have to talk about anti-racism more another time peace